Hey, this is Pastor Bradley, and I want to welcome you to the Res Church podcast. Res Church is a place where people discover life through knowing and following Jesus. And so we hope that you will be blessed by this message. Listen, um, if, you're, if you're new to Res Church, we're so glad that you're here. Welcome. Let's welcome our guests this morning, Res Church. Welcome. Tell them you're glad they're here. Um, if, you're, if you're joining us online and you're under a blanket with a cup of coffee right now, shame on you. Uh, we're more spiritual because we got it in the rain, and I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're so glad that you're with us today, glad that you're joining us online. About three weeks ago, uh, th- these are the elders of our church, by the way. Would you give it up for the elders? Uh, Res Church is not um, pastored by a cult of personality. We are we have a plurality of elders, a plurality of pastors that partner together in the ministry of the word and in prayer. And as we were going through, we've been studying through the gospel of Luke, and we, we looked at this account early in Luke's gospel where an old priest named Zechariah was made mute and deaf. I think he was unable to speak and unable to hear for nine months. And there's a whole story with that, but we just asked the question, what if God gave us nine months of silence? Back that up. What if he gave us nine weeks? Back that up. What if he gave us three weeks? What if we just, for three weeks, minimize distraction? Because how many of you know we are distracted people? We look and turn to distraction all the time. And so what if we minimize distraction and maximize dependence in our relationship with God for three weeks? That was the challenge. We wrote a blog about it. And uh, for the last three weeks, a lot of you have been engaged in that and with with us in a variety of ways. Uh, I was talking with, I don't think Pamela would mind me sharing this. Uh, She texted me and said, you know what? During this three weeks, I felt led to memorize the whole book of Romans. And I went, you go, girl. Uh, she's like, which translation? I was like, it doesn't matter. If you get all of if you just get any one of them down. I just love that. I love that you're memorizing because, man, what does the Bible say? Psalm 119, we store up the word. We store it up. We treasure it. We hide it in our heart that we might not. Man, that's awesome. Uh, I, I was talking with Zeke earlier today who, uh, this morning, who's just telling me how he's been getting up and going through Romans himself early in the morning for about the last six or seven weeks and what that's done in his life. So, A lot of you have gotten engaged in this, and we want you to know we've been doing this with you, and so we're going to start by just each of us kind of telling you our personal experience in this three-week challenge and what the Lord's been teaching us personally. So we're going to start with Jonathan. Jonathan, take it away. Tell us how this has been for you. Well, for me, the opportunity to turn down the noise happened more for me in the small moments, like driving to work and not turning on the radio, or when I had a cancellation in between clients, taking that opportunity to to close the door and not uh, turn up the noise from picking up my phone or uh, considering checking email. So in those moments, um, in maximizing and taking advantage of those opportunities, I found God teaching me that he is working on my heart in the struggles that maybe I feel like me and my family have been facing and that there is a purpose for the struggle and that his love towards me as his child is the reason that we can accept the struggles and know that there is purpose in them. Yeah, for me, um, some of you, I spoke about this early on in the first week of the challenge. Um, For me, it was um, not uh, checking Facebook on my smartphone, um, it was not checking the ESPN app, <laughs> which is hard for me. And uh, the other thing that I do a lot of my Bible reading is with a Bible app on my smartphone. So um, I kind of put it down in those ways, did my Bible reading in a hard copy so I wouldn't be distracted. Um, what I found early on is uh, I was able to focus on my Bible reading uh, in my prayer time. Specific prayer requests came to mind that may not have come to mind if I was distracted. I was able to pray for them, which is very, very good. And um, it was just, they were, 
I found myself at work being less anxious. Um, as the three-week period progressed, um, I had my days where, yeah, I minimized distractions, but I didn't maximize my dependence on God. It's, it's both. You have to do both to be fruitful with that. So my anxiety started to come back up at work. But um, at the end, um, anxiety decreased. And I was telling these guys, I, I'm not by nature, I'm not an anxious person. I mean, I'm very laid back. If I were to list the things that I struggle with, anxiety wouldn't even make the list. But I think what was exposed with dependent on God during that time is there was an underlying, underlying level of stress or anxiety that was there that was distracting me that I wasn't aware of until dependent on God in that way. So um, it, was, it was really good. My, the, my clarity was heightened. My thoughts were more clear. And, and on more than one occasion, I found myself just thanking God, just thanking him out loud. And on more than one occasion. And that, that level of clarity would not have been there if I would have been distracted. I think for me, it's, uh, God has kind of reminded me, it may sound kind of, kind of crazy, but uh, that he, he has a relationship with us. So we have a relationship with him. And for me, instead of maybe thinking about all the ways I can disengage from things to focus on God, I felt like God was kind of turning me a different direction and saying, okay, since I have you involved in all of these things, instead of in disengaging from the life I've given you, how about embrace the people I put around you, the places that I send you, the things you do. You know, think about Jesus uh, several times in the scripture, and it'll say, and Jesus was on his way somewhere. And, and people, he would stop and minister to people. And Jesus didn't say, I can't deal with you. You know, I've got to get on to my destination. He would stop. And so for Jesus, people were not an interruption to his day. They were who he came for. And so for me, it's that it was that idea of, and I think you may have asked yourself, you know, what's the big thing God wants me to do? You know, what you ever say, God, what's that? What do you want me to do? You know, maybe you're praying about a vocation or something. And those things are important. But for me, it's just really been hit home for a while now, but especially in these last couple of weeks. It's like, you know what? The big thing is that I have an everyday relationship with God. That's the big thing because the vocations will come and go and the ministries that we're involved in will come and go. The projects that you feel like God may have you involved in, not that they're not good, but they will usually come and go. So the big thing is not based on those things. The big thing is for me to embrace the fact that God is a part of my life 24-7. There's not a time when I check out and leave my Christian life at home and then go live my work life. And then, you know, if the only time I think about God is when I gather for a church service, I'm missing out on this concept of God has an everyday relationship with me. So those are some of the things that kind of I was dealing with these last few weeks. You know, and I think this is going to be a theme that you hear from all four of us is that, you know, um, we often forget that big changes always start with little decisions. Jesus compared faith to a mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds that grows into one of the largest of all trees. And sometimes, you know, it's kind of like what I was saying earlier. We, 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 we think that God is, his response to us, his coming to us is always so focused on our behavior and these massive changes that need to take place in our behavior when he might just say, just give me a moment. Just start with that. And for me, it was that. It, it was, for me, it was, I, you know, I have to do a lot of context shifting in what I do as a pastor. I meet with this person and they've got a whole story. And then the next person that I talk to might have an entirely different story. Or then it's time to study the word. Or then it's just, it's just, there's a lot of context shifting, a lot of meetings. And for me, the Lord just prompted me to just give him those moments in between. Uh, same thing, I, I, I turned my radio, podcast, music stuff off, and between meetings and between tasks, I just tried to lean into dependence instead of, all right, let me just check the news, or let me check Facebook, or uh, check the sports scores, or what's going on on the PGA Tour, 
let me, just, let me just lean into the Lord a little bit through prayer or through time in his word or through, a, a, through some worship. Uh, and one of the things I felt like the Lord started to nudge me in in doing that was just to be more present in the moment. I've been talking to my kids about this. They are constantly asking me what's next. Constantly. We're in the middle of dinner. What are we doing after dinner? We're still eating. Don't ask me about what's after it. So I've had to like... Lord, give me patience, but I've tried to tell my children, look, let's just be present at the table. Let's be present in this conversation, and what's next will come when it comes, right? And it's just like, it's just these little nuggets that I feel like the Lord just gives us sometimes, that the, the person in front of me is more important than the task out ahead of me. And that has been so sweet for me to just go, okay, right here, Bradley, just be here, and the, 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 one of the passages of Scripture that comes to mind is Psalm 127, where it talks about, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. It is in vain that you rise early and go to bed late, eating the bread of anxious toil. It's anxiety that keeps me focused on the next thing or leads me to focus on the next thing rather than to be restful. The Bible says, He will keep those whose mind is stayed on him in perfect peace. How many of you want perfect peace? So that's just what the Lord's been teaching me is just be present in the moment, depend on him in between, and just learn to rest in him. So that's just sort of our personal, what the Lord has been doing in us personally through this, and I'm sure the Lord's done some great things in you too. We want to now just kind of talk about four things we're each going to take just sort of think of this like a four-point sermon that we're all going to take a point on and just talk about what we feel like the Lord is saying to us as a church and how the Lord is leading us forward out of these three weeks because we don't want this to be a three-week emphasis that we just, as soon as service is dismissed today, we go on and forget about what's happened the last three weeks. So Jonathan's going to start us off in Hebrews. Well, I don't sit down much in my work and in my daily life, so I can't sit down and do this either, so... Um, bear with me as I stand and move. So what if we could grab onto the truth that in our struggles of our life, God, out of his love for us as his children, is disciplining our faith so that we can be more like him? What if we could hold on to that truth during the trials and the struggles of life? Where could we anchor that in Scripture? If you will, turn with me to Hebrews 12. We're going to read 3 through 11, and it'll be on the screen. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Can I get an amen? But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So there's two keys I want us to kind of zero in on as we try to grab hold of this truth. That in our struggles, God is loving us as his children and disciplining our faith. The first is, it says, consider him. Consider who? Consider Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against him. What does it mean to consider? Consider means ponder, meditate. That's what we've been asking you to do, challenging you to do, is to set aside those things that distract you 
and ponder and consider God in Jesus. But what should we ponder and consider about him? How he endured. What did he endure? Hostility against him and the cross. Well, we might say, well, how did he do that? If we're going to consider him and we understand what he endured, how did he endure? And the answer to that is in verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, the thing is, is we often, when we think of endure, what does endure mean? It means remaining under the pressure, persisting, not giving up. We all quit way too easy when it gets hard. What if the same power that helped Jesus endure the cross and despise the shame, that same power is in us and has given us the ability when we trust and put our faith in him that through the trials, as we consider him, we can endure as well. So that's the first key. Consider him. He's our example. So then the second key is in verse 5, and you have forgotten, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? This comes out of Proverbs 3.11. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of you, the one whom God has given you to help you lean into him, to trust him, to depend on him, saying, don't disregard, or if we want to put that in the positive, pay, be keenly aware, pay attention to, hold in high esteem the discipline of the Lord. Why is he disciplining us? In verse 6, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He's disciplining us because he loves us. What do we mean by discipline? Oftentimes we think of discipline, it's, oh, I did something wrong, I need to be corrected. Or, man, I'm really going to shape up. I'm going to have more discipline in my life so that I can create more time to turn down the noise and focus on him. That's not what he's after here. That's not the kind of discipline that our God is after. He's after our heart. The discipline of our faith and our joy being in him that in the trials we can endure. Well, Ultimately, what is the purpose of the discipline? If it's for our heart, how are we to go about that? In verse 7, it says it is for discipline that you have to endure. See, this discipline process, it's not a short thing, right? We all just want to be like, God, get me out of this situation. Get me out of it. Rescue me. But see, the process, the disciplining is a process, and it's an enduring process and if we remain in the process, there is fruit that comes from it. What kind of fruit? Let's look at verse 10. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. That's our earthly father. But he, our heavenly father, disciplines us for our good, that, or the purpose, that we may share his holiness. Discipline is the instructional training of helping us reach our full potential, our full development. I'm going to say that again. Discipline is the instructional training of God leading us to our full development. What is our full development and our full maturity? That we are made like him and made holy and righteous. If that's to happen, and if that's not a quick fix if that's a process, we have to remain in the process. And we can't give up. We can't quit. We have to remain and trust and put our faith in him. Verse 11, for the moment, all discipline, all instructional training, helping us to reach our full potential, seems painful. I'll raise my hand to that. It seems painful. But later, after it yields or it produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And here's something I want you to just grab onto, to those who have been trained by it. 
to those who didn't give up, to, to those who didn't lose faith, to those who endured, remained under the pressure, stayed in the struggle despite desiring it to be finished, but in our hope and our faith in Him being deepened and being widened so that every struggle, every circumstance, our faith is trained, it is disciplined to go to Him. There becomes this joy that comes out of the discipline that says, thank you, Father, for your love towards me, that you love me enough to help me to be more like you and help me to endure. For me, this has been a process that started in 2018. Some of you may know the story, but ultimately, me and my family, we had two years of just crazy, challenging situations with water in our house. Can't give you all the details, but ultimately, there was times where we were washing our dishes in a bucket. We couldn't take a shower at our house. We couldn't wash clothes at our house. For two years, we dealt with water issues that just we didn't see an end to it. And we were like, God, what are you doing? What are we supposed to learn in this situation? Because ultimately, we want it over with. So let us just learn it so we can move on. But the crazy, amazing, joyful thing is the other day, Mandy and I were sitting at the table, and now we're in another challenging process of building a new house, which we're blessed to be able to do that, and we're excited about it, and we're almost done, but it has been a challenge. She looked at me, and she said, aren't we thankful Mm -hmm. for 2018 and 2019 that it has produced in us a steadfast faith that is able to anchor to his love for us, and out of that, our joy can grow knowing that I'm his child, that his discipline is good, and that it produces righteousness in me. Mm. And out of that, we can say thank you, Father, for the hard times. Thank you for the hard times. Mm. That's good. You know, if I were to sum up verse 11 of Hebrews 12 in my own words, um, you've probably heard it said this way before. We might say, life is hard, but God is good. Or, Or we could say it this way, life is hard, but God is always accomplishing good in the heart. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's what the Bible teaches, right? But it's in the middle where we struggle. It's in the middle where we're going, why, God? Or maybe we don't even get that much out. Maybe it's just, oh, it's just a groan. Do you know the Bible talks about that? It talks about the space between life is hard, but I know God's doing good, and how we have help from the Lord in that. I want you to go to Romans 8. I'm just going to do this real quick. We're going to get to some real practical takeaways. Romans chapter 8. Verse, we'll start with verse 22. Romans 8, verse 22. For we know. Can we say we know together? We know. All right, there's something we know. What is it? That the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth and to now. Can we agree with that? We know that, no doubt about that, all right? Verse uh, 28, look at that. And we know, let's say we know again, that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We know that, right? That's settled, done, we're good. All right, it's the in-between where we struggle. So back up to verse 26. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Look at this, for we do not know. So in between, we know creation's groaning, and we know God's working all things together for good. There's something we don't know. What is that, Paul? And we don't know what to pray for as we ought. You ever struggled to know what to pray in between life is hard and God is good? Man, boy, do I. But look at this. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, 
And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I don't have time to unpack all that, but just, just get this much. If you're a Christian, you have a supernatural prayer partner with you all the time. And he's not human in the sense that he's limited and finite in his thinking or his ability to pray with you. He is the third person of the triune God, God, the Holy Spirit, with you and in you. And here's, what it's, here's, here's, here's the great thing. He says the Spirit helps us. doesn't say he rescues, but that's, that's how we often pray, right? If we actually get a prayer out between life is hard and God is good, it's usually, God, make it stop, right? But no, the Spirit comes to our aid and he helps us with groanings too deep for words. It says he intercedes for us according to the will of God. Here's what that means, Christians. Not one why, God. Not one oh. Not one groan. Not one question. Not God how, what, when, where, why. In between, life is hard, but God is good, is ever wasted. Because the Holy Spirit, your supernatural, eternal, divine prayer partner, is coupling those groans and those whys with intercession and prayer that is dead on the bullseye of God's will for your life. Did you catch that? Even when all you get out is a groan, the Holy Spirit in you is interceding according to the will of God. So how easy is it for us when we don't know how to pray to turn to distractions instead of prayer? Well, I don't know what to pray, so I might as well try to ease the pain with Facebook or some distraction. Not that those things are bad. We're not talking about just doing away with things in a legalistic sense or, or, or succumbing to what, what Paul talks about in Colossians, extreme discipline that's of no benefit to you. What we're talking about is these these ways in which our flesh and even the enemy of our souls would try to turn us away from dependence and toward distraction. One of those being, I don't know how to pray. Between life is hard and God is good, I don't know how to pray, but I have the Holy Spirit with me and in me. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's talk about some practical takeaways, Andy. What, how can we start to walk this out in our everyday life? Yeah, um, <clears throat> every... Uh, one of us um, would probably agree uh, we're we're all in different stages of life. So um, some of us are single, some of us are married and have kids, some of us are empty nesters, retired. Whatever season of life that you're in, you could probably agree with me that at some point at the end of the day, if not often at the end of the day, you just don't have any energy left. But just energy depleted. I look at my wife sometimes and she looks at me and we say, I don't have anything for you. <laughs> we're, just, we're just done. Um, and um, there may be, you know, maybe your struggle is, I don't know where to start with time with God. I don't know how. Well, you're not alone. We all struggle with this, and this is nothing new. God's people struggled with this um, since the beginning. So let's look at a couple examples in Scripture. Uh, where this is evident. If you will turn uh, with me to Genesis chapter 4, should also be on the screen. Genesis chapter 4. I still hear some pages turning. Genesis chapter 4, and we'll start reading verse 2. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Abel offers the firstborn of his flock, and God's delighted. But we see Cain, he just, he just 
had an offering. He just had something that, that he offered to God, and God had no regard for that. Keep that in mind and go ahead and turn over to Malachi. We're going to book in the Old Testament, the first book to the last book here. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, and we'll start reading in verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. And catch this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Some strong language in there. Uh, God says, you're robbing me. Um, but he says, give me your full tithe. Put me to the test. He says, try me. So where am I going with this? These Old Testament scriptures talking about offerings and tithes. What does that have to do with what we're talking about? Well, the Bible says, today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's not just today. It's not just Sunday. That's every day. The Lord has given us this day. Could it be that, so we, maybe we aren't offering any of our time to him at all. Maybe we're robbing God. Maybe that we're offering something, but it's a halfway offering of our time. It's, it's not very fruitful. We're, I think what we need to think about, church, is we need to think about changing our method for connecting with God, for communing with Him. If it's not working, it's not working. It's time to change. There's, there's a, a finite, finite amount of time in a day, right? From the time your eyes open to the time they close. What time are you devoting to God? We're talking about minimizing distractions, then we're talking about maximizing that time uh, for God. Well, uh, what's at stake here? Um, Jonathan and, and Donnie's both hit on it. It's relationship. We have a relationship with him. Going back to my wife, whenever we tell each other, I don't have anything left for you, guess what we do? We make time. We love each other. It's important. So what if... That's how this whole challenge started with that question, what if? What if we give the first fruits of our rest to God? You know, the thing about Abel's offering, it was the firstborn of his flock. There's no guarantee he's not going to have to, he's going to have any more lambs, right? His flock could depend on that one lamb, or at least the strength of his flock could depend on that one lamb, yet he, he trusted God and gave that to him. We think about, oh, there, I have this rest in my, in my day. There's this period. i got five minutes. What am I going to do? I better concentrate on me, and I better check, check this list off of things I need to get done today. I better get it done now, or I won't get it done later. God says, try me in Malachi. Why not that first opportunity of the day, why not choose him? And then watch what he does. He says, put me to the test. I bet, and when I've done that, you, have, you experience him in some way and you may still have time to get done what you need to get done or your attitudes may change. I spent time with God today and it, the other things, they don't really mean much to me anymore. Um, so what's that look like? Donnie's going to go into that deeper uh, with some practical things. Um, it may be prayer time. Scripture time, as Bradley said, it may just be uh, silent time, being still with him. You know, God loves a good staring contest. 
Don't, don't ask me how to, what, what verse that is in the Bible. It's, it's not there. But he, he desires to have time with you. And ultimately, as Jonathan pointed out in Hebrews, there is a, there's a fruit of peace in that. Um, Hosea 6.6, 6, God says this, I desire your steadfast love, not, offer, uh, not offerings, the knowledge of God rather than burnt sacrifices. Ultimately, he desires our love. He wants our hearts. In case you're wondering, I told Andy and them uh, in the first service that that is a scripture scripture reference. That staring God having a staring contest with you is in first or second hesitations. Second hesitations. Yeah, find that while I'm talking. Somebody, when you find it, stand up and come up here and you can read verse seventy-two, I believe. So, yeah, don't waste your time. It's not there, right? This is what Donnie does in our elders meetings. We're all serious or whatever, and then he just drops one of those. It's like I say, it's a. Uh, uh, it's a it's a blessing or a curse at times, but I just love to find the humor in in what God God does. Uh, it's it's if you don't think the Bible's funny, just read it a little, and there's some funny stuff in there. But I just made that one up, so maybe that's not as funny. You know, a, a, a quote or a, a concept comes to mind. I think I had heard this from John uh, that John Wesley had said this to people about. Um, basically, the comment was this. Sometimes we think, you know, my day's so busy, I don't have time to spend with God. His concept was the busier his day was, the more time he needed to start off spending time with God. It's kind of backwards of the way that we look at it sometimes, isn't it? Uh, James chapter 2 is uh, verses 14 through 17 are a couple of verses that I want to read and then talk about some practical things, starting in verse 14. It says, uh, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them something, uh, the things they needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works... Is dead. So, uh, a couple of things that uh, that I want to share with you is, is to think about this. We talk about faith, and we're talking about uh, trying to focus in on God and what does God have for us. And the concept of this that an element of faith there is an action part to our faith. There, there's there's a work involved, so to speak. Now it's not working for your salvation. It's not like we could muster up anything, but there is there is an action part of our faith, and that's kind of what we've been challenged with over this last little bit. And hopefully, you'll continue to think about it. Is that we want to find ways to focus in on God, and, and as a result, there are some things that we can do that might help that. So there's not a magic button to push. It's not like there's one thing, and if you can do this one thing, then you're Mr. or Mrs. Super Christian, right? But uh, like Andy said, you know, we're all different. We're all in different stages of life, and so there are things that maybe you've even uh, done this week or things that God has brought to your attention uh, that might be really good for you to help you focus on God and really tune into what he has for you. And if I tried that particular method, I may think, well, you know, that didn't do a whole lot for me. So what I want to do is just share some things with you. These are just some examples of some things that uh, one of them is something that I have done these last several weeks. And then in hearing from some of you and some people in our life group, just some share, maybe some practical examples of things uh, in case you're thinking, you know what, I'm just having a hard time knowing what to do here. I, I can't seem to find something. So maybe a couple of these things will help you. So just to be able to ask that question, like I said earlier, you know, have you ever asked yourself, you know, what does God want from me? What am I supposed to do? You know, what's God, what, what am I supposed to, to do, God? What, what are you doing in me? And I think this whole concept is that the more that we are listening, the more we're apt to know what that is. And as I said earlier, I think the main thing is that we have a daily, everyday relationship 
with him. And it's not necessarily any one particular thing, but it may be a combination of things. And it may be that, that one of these methods you put in place, maybe, maybe it's what God needs for you for three, four, five, six months, and then maybe it's something different comes along because of different circumstances or your life stage. So here's some practical kinds of things, and, and we've all mentioned it at some level. One of the things for me these last several weeks, and I've actually done this for a while, but I had a little different focus this time, is uh, I don't turn the radio on when I'm in my vehicle. I used to do that because I had a vehicle and the radio didn't work, so I didn't have an option. <laughs> Now I have a vehicle that has a radio that works. That's right. Um, but so, uh, again, there's nothing magic to that. But what I've done is, whether it's on my way to work or anytime I'm in the car by myself, the radio's not on. And the difference being that not only is it not on, but that gives me time to just really think about what God might be saying to me this day. Right, And so it's been really interesting that um, the first couple weeks, especially especially on Monday and Tuesday after a Sunday, it's pretty neat as I'm driving to work, all of a sudden God starts bringing to mind people here that I've had conversation with. And so I'm thinking, okay, God, I'll pray for that person. And so it's pretty neat to just think, now it's not that I haven't ever prayed for anybody here before, but as you're driving along, it's not having a list of I need to check off all these prayer concerns. And that's not a bad thing, but just really saying, okay, God, who, who would you want me to pray for? How would you have me to pray? And so as I'm driving along, I can think, I remember that first week, I'm thinking there's Rachel and David and their family. They have three little kids, Ava, Hadrian, and Roman. And, and I, I thought of them. I had a conversation with them, and I thought of them, and I just prayed for them that day on the way to work, thinking of other people that I saw, Taylor and Carter and Paxton. I, th I thought of those people that I had conversations with and was able to pray for them. And I thought, you know, that's just pretty neat of, of just had the radio been on, that probably would not have happened. I'm not saying God can't do it, but it probably wouldn't have happened for me. So that's just uh, one example of there is an option to do something. And it, you don't have to create some other kind of activity in your life. It is finding where God already has you and making a connection with ways that you can be in tune with him already in the places he's placed you, right? So that's one That's one of them. Another one is, and Bradley talked about memorizing scripture. That, that I think, is, is a good thing. And people say, well, I just can't memorize scripture. And I would challenge you on that. I bet if I started humming the bars of a song that you knew, you probably could finish all of the lyrics, right? Is there, there's probably a song, that at least one, that you know all of the lyrics to, whether it's a hymn you know, on, on these hymns that we haven't sang in a while, could you maybe have sang them if the words had not been on the screen? A lot of them you probably could have. So it's, I don't think it's a matter of not being capable of memorizing, although that changes if they're, you know, as we age or if there are other things. That's understandable. But here's the thing that I thought. If you've never thought about this, all right, if you want to memorize Scripture, write a Scripture down on a 3 by 5 card. Put it in your pocketbook, put it in your pocket, put it somewhere where you will have access to it in your car. When you're standing in line at the grocery store waiting for that second cashier to be called to the register at Walmart, <laughs> you know, you've been there, right? Instead of pulling out your phone, flipping to see if anybody posted anything on Facebook or whatever, pull out that three-by-five card and be reminded of the scripture that you want to try to memorize. When you're in the drive-thru, waiting to pick up that delicious meal from McDonald's, right? Pull out the card instead of doing something else that would distract you. Maybe you're waiting in line at the bank. Those are places and those are things that you normally do naturally throughout the day. And it's not like you have to find extra time. You're, you already, God's already given you that time. I say, you know, we all have the same amount of time. There's nobody in here that has more time than anybody else. God's given us all in the way we measure it, 24 hours a day. You don't have any more than me. I don't have any more than you. What, what can we do with that time that he's already given us? And it doesn't 
always mean that you've got to add some extra activity. Now, there's a time for knowing that God wants you to pray and study for an hour, and you want to get out by yourself. And you, I'm not saying those things are not important. There's a time for all of that. But what about just the everyday, regular things that's a part of your life that you can find ways to understand, hey, God's just with me all the time. It's a relationship. It's not just on Sunday when I show up. It's throughout the week. He's placed me in places. So maybe the scripture uh, with a scripture card, maybe maybe that's something you can do. Um, Any of you have a problem sleeping? Do you wake up in the middle of the night? You know, we have somebody in our group says, you know what, it's just kind of regular. I have a hard time sleeping. They wake up pretty close to the same time every night. They just can't sleep. She decided what she'd do instead of just laying there wondering if she's ever going to be able to get back to sleep. She just said, I started, I, I would get up and I'd start reading scripture. You know, some of you may have done that. Instead of turning on Netflix and watching a movie, you could pick up your Bible. Maybe you could pray. And you say, well, I can't get still. When I get still, my mind wanders. And I say, maybe you could pray about what your mind is wondering about. Instead of saying, oh, I'll just forget it. I'm not going to pray because my mind's too busy. How about just asking God um, about the things that, that your mind is busy about. And that's just, to me, those are just practical, like every day, somehow, somehow if we're not careful, we can think that this Christian life is this something other than our regular everyday lives. You know, I'm going to wait for the big thing. I'm going to have the big prayer time. And God just says, you know, a little time I'm with you. Uh, Jesus's name, what does it mean? Emmanuel means what? God with us, right? All the time he's with us. So maybe that's an a example. Uh, somebody in our group, maybe you've done this. Bradley agreed when I said it this morning. They said, you know what? The time that I feel really close to God and I can feel him speaking to me is when I'm in the shower, right? Maybe that happens to you. What, what's the deal with that? Well, the shower is the place, unless you're a young mommy with little bitty kids and you have to drag them in there with you, right? A shower is usually a place where you're by yourself, right? And so there's no distractions. You're, you, so maybe, maybe that's the way. Maybe when you exercise, you say, well, I can't exercise because I've got to focus on God. Well, maybe as you put your earbuds in, instead of sometimes listening to music, maybe let the Bible be playing. There's a Bible app and you can hear Scripture so, you know, those are maybe sounds kind of silly, but I think if we really think about it, there are a lot of practical ways that we can understand that God is with us every day and not excuse it by saying, well, I just don't have the time. You know, I don't have the time to do this and have the time to do that. And I would say, um, I would challenge you on that because if on a regular basis we feel like, my life's just too busy. I don't have time to think about God or do that. I would say for sure we have our priorities out of order because God has given us the time. And, and I think those are practical, practical ways that we can do that. So it's not necessarily a matter of more knowledge. How many of you recognize the scriptures that we all read? You at least had heard them, kind of a little bit familiar. What I believe I heard somebody say is most Christians, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, most Christians are educated way beyond the level of their obedience. <laughs> right? If, it's not a matter if I just knew something else. It's a matter of can I just do something with what I already know? Right? Now, not that learning's bad and we should grow and we should change, but that's not an excuse. I just don't know enough. I just can't. It's not a matter of having more knowledge. It's just tuning in to what God is doing with us. And then the last thing, I just say this. I think overall, it's just setting boundaries for yourself. If, if we're not careful, we can fall into the temptation of thinking that we should be accessible 24-7 to other people and other things. And we need to set some boundaries. In our life group, we talked about this. We have some business owners, and it's a real challenge for them to say, you know what, when my customer calls me, they, I need to talk to them. That's a challenge. But is it that you could let your customers know, you know what, I'm going to return your call in a reasonable manner, but there are certain times where you won't get me if you call. The phone's turned off. The email's not being checked but I'll get to it in a reasonable amount of time. So I don't know. There may be boundaries that you need to set in your own 
personal life. Just because somebody says, hey, I need you, doesn't necessarily mean you need to stop everything you're doing and be distracted with their issue. So it's something to think about. So those are some things that, that I think, hopefully those are helpful. And you probably have been doing some other things. Maybe I didn't mention any of them. Uh, and uh, I think it's just neat to check in. Where does God have you already? What are ways that you can, and things you can implement with what he's already doing in your life instead of thinking I've got to carve out extra time? Um, um, you might need to, but other things that you could do. Good. Um, you know, I was just thinking while Donnie's talking that, you know, Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness before they entered the promised land, and there was this rhythm that they experienced where the man, you remember when the manna rained down from heaven, and God would only let them collect for one day? And then on the Sabbath, they had to rest. They could collect for two days the day before the Sabbath, and they rested, and they could not collect on the Sabbath. It was this rhythm of dependence that God was reinforcing in them. And then when the disciples asked Jesus to to teach them how to pray, what did he say? Ask the Lord for give us today our daily bread. So find your daily rhythm of dependence, right? That, that's really, I guess, if we could sum up all those practical suggestions, find a rhythm of dependence in your relationship with God going forward. Don't let these three weeks have been just a cool three weeks, and then we'll wait till the next set of New Year's resolutions before we, we re-up on our dependence again. Let's go forward in that. Let's stand and we'll pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that um, you're a gracious Savior. You, you lead us. We follow you. That's the Christian life. And so I, I ask for myself, for all of us, all of our worshiping community here at Res Church, that you would lead us in a rhythm of dependence going forward, that we would be people who have just sort of this, um, I don't know, tenacious commitment to minimize distractions and maximize dependence in our relationship with you. And I know that that happens. All kinds of good fruit are going to come for that, for, you, for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope that the Lord has blessed you through today's message, and we would love to hear from you. Tell us how God is working in your life and how we can pray for you. You can also help us reach others by investing at resfaith.com give. Thanks again for joining us.